welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, I'm uh, excited to have a uh, special guest with me today. Uh, Our church, uh, coming up here in the next few weeks, is going to be studying through uh, the book Sing by Keith and Kristen Getty, and so we're kind of talking about music right now. And I'm joined today by Dan Kreider, who is the Minister of Music at Grace Emanuel Bible Church in Jupiter, Florida. He also manages Grace Music. He recently completed the hymnal Sing the Wonders, and we actually do use that as one of our hymn supplements. And so, Dan, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Dan, as we are as a church, kind of growing in this area. Uh, We're a church plant, as you know, and you and I have had multiple conversations about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, our our music and um, preparing to kind of lead the congregation through this book and just get our mind in that direction. Um, One of the uh, things that I want to start off with today was maybe just a little bit of an introduction of yourself as far as how you got where you are today and what has driven you to pursue music in the way that you do. The Lord really, over the course of, especially through graduate school uh, and, a, and a series of, of difficult church situations that, that he placed us in, my wife and I, um, he really started to stir our hearts for the church. And and what, one of the things that grew in my mind was, you know, not, not really feeling a call to, to, uh, to an expository ministry. Mm-hmm. Not, not feeling as though that was something I was gifted at this point in my life to, to do. I, I, I did think to myself, you know, I want to serve the church with, with my musical abilities, whatever, whatever it is, how big or small. You know, I think if we, if we hear the story of the, of the men with the, given the different number of talents and we think to ourselves, I, I wonder which one I am, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the wrong way to think of it. So, so as the Lord was really helping me kind of crucify selfish ambition in the area of music, especially mm-hmm. in grad school, he really kind of gave me a this, this subsequent love and deepening burden for the church. Mm-hmm. And um, so so my wife and I, you know, found ourselves in a couple different church situations and then, um, then some more grad school, but really sharpening that focus. And so sure. about six years ago, um, I was, I was hired at, at my my ministry now, Grace Emanuel Bible Church, and we've just, it's really been neat to see that just the fruition of all those things preparing us because, sure. um, oh man, we, we, we love it. And I feel like on a weekly basis, we're able to do what I, even though I, even before I knew it, what I wanted to do my whole life, what I mm-hmm. feel like I was kind of put together to do. Amen. Talk a little bit about, um, and maybe I'll relate to my own just personal experience, but I think for a long time uh, growing up, I, I didn't really value the importance of music in the life of the local church. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you just go through the motions and you, you sing X number of songs before the message, X number of songs after the message, and you, you go home and kind of go on with life. Talk a little bit about how you encourage the person who just kind of feels like they're in that going through the motions, just the drudgery, uh, and, and don't, doesn't feel the life um, in that part of, uh, of their worship. Yeah, um, I, I certainly understand that, and it, it, you know, I think ostensibly it would be easy for someone to look at me and say, "Well, that's so well and good for you because mm-hmm. music's your thing," but you know, it actually is God's thing. Mm, uh, yeah. 
Zephaniah chapter 3 tells us that God himself sings loudly when he considers the salvation that he's produced in us. Uh, Jesus, we know, was a singer. Uh, you know, the, the, the longest call it a book, but the longest book in the, in the Bible is, is a book of songs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and, you know, take also just the, the constant command for the Lord's people to sing, both in the Old Testament Sure. Uh, and and in the New Testament, and so I so on one level I can understand that if you haven't grown up in a culture of music, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, it, there can be kind of a uh, kind of a sort of a maybe a little bit of a laissez-faire attitude, but but I think one of the one of the things that folks should do rather than coming at it as oh I have the background in music or I have the personality, I think it should largely be theologically driven to mm-hmm. say okay that yeah. this is. This is something that our Lord esteems very highly and has commanded us to do. So, therefore, let's bend ourselves to it. When we meet together, let's, you know, let's, let's not make music more than it should be. Mm-hmm. Let's not ascribe to it power that it does not have, but, but let's not minimize it because the Lord doesn't. And, and yeah. we'll be doing it for eternity, so... Amen. Um, that really kind of flows into uh, the next question that I had for you, but how, how does that then, or, or what is the importance in in the life of the church as a whole? What role does music play in, uh, in its importance there? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because we, we live in a, we don't live in a, a musical culture, I don't think. Um, Western music, I mean, it's always sort of ebbed and flowed, but mm-hmm. But we don't live in a musical culture or a musically literate culture. Normal people don't sing. They just don't mm-hmm. go around singing. And and the, the quality and quantity of music available to us is higher than it's ever been. And mm-hmm. yet the common person sings or participates in music less than he ever has. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, the medium of recording is has been both an incredible blessing allowing us to hear things we mm-hmm. probably never would hear otherwise, but also a real detriment because music then has been transported from the realm of the doing to the realm of mm. the experiencing. Interesting. So we're spectators now more than Absolutely. ever. Interesting. Absolutely. And so so one of the things the local church, and, and, I'm, and I'm not speaking here of cultural transformation, which I think is, uh, is, is a little bit of a, a pie in the sky and not really the point, but, but it is a secondary thing that music, at one level... Uh, the the local church should be the place where normal people sing hmm. and make music. People who are who are during their day job are CPAs or mm-hmm. day laborers or nurses or whatever. Um, they should sing and they should sing in community. And so, music in the life of the local church, I think we could just say, "Well, the Lord's commanded it, so we're going to do it." But it's far more. the The reason sure. the Lord has commanded is because the benefits both direct and, and ancillary are just profound in, in the shaping of community and in the celebrating of that gift. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my desire uh, for my church is to have a church that you would, you would call it a, a, a singing community. Hmm. Um, you know, I sing with my kids around the house. Sometimes I'll just look at them right in the face and start singing. And I think they think it's normal, you mm-hmm. know, um, and it's it's difficult, you know, if, if you have an adult, perhaps someone newly saved, didn't grow up in church, it's a stretch for them. But but again, sure. that's where their theology and that community can inform them to the point of saying, hey, let's jump in. And I think as a music educator, I, I think music is is something everyone can do. Mm-hmm. And the church is what should be p- 
pushing that forward. Yeah, and it's a wonderful tool, I think, to help reinforce the theology that we're getting, which is why, and we could talk about this a little bit later, but why it's so important to have our our songs to be theologically grounded and not simply just kind of wishy-washy. I do want to go back for a minute, though. Uh, you had mentioned uh, the fact that there's this transition that's taken place to we're more spectators now. Can you maybe share some other trends like that that you're seeing in the culture um, maybe the past couple decades or so? I, I'm noticing, and I'll be interested to get your thought on this, I'm noticing there's been a resurgence in the last few years of just a desire for solid, solid, um, theologically driven hymns. Um, but what's your perspective on where it's come from? Yeah, absolutely. I think as far as content, we live in a, we live in a rich time. I think if you, if you or I were music ministers 40 years ago, uh, and, and that's why I don't, I, I, I really don't, first of all, as a young man, I should moderate my criticisms of the previous generation <laughs> who built what I enjoy, but, but also because, because of what they had uh, to work with. Um, you know, f- 40 years ago, we didn't have, I mean, if you think of most of the songs that most churches, uh, solid, you know, Bible-rich churches sing now, most of those didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Even if they're a church that, that cherishes, as our church does, classic hymnody, uh, they just they didn't have songs which I believe will last a hundred years if the Lord tarries, like in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, um, as far as content, I think uh, lyrical content, I think we're living in a in a really rich age, and I think it has paralleled. You know, whenever you want to look for times of rich hymnody in church history, you have to look for periods of a resurgence of biblical theology, mm. and I yes. think it has been largely driven by by a, re, a, a sort of a renewed. Um, rejoicing in reformed yes. theology, especially regarding salvation, mm-hmm. justification. So that you know that that part has been rich. <clears throat> you know what I, from a musical standpoint, and, and here I admit it's it, it's of secondary importance, but still interesting as a musician. I think there's kind of over the past hundred years, and I think particularly in the past couple of decades. I've seen a really interesting, and by the when I say seen, I mean I'm I'm, I'm mid thirties. So, but but as I've as I've traced and watched and looked at at what we used to sing and what we sing now, it's interesting. There's kind of two two really big areas in which the music itself has changed. Uh, one has been, and I think they both stem from the same thing. One has been the the diminishing of of the of melody and the emphasis of rhythm. Which which I which I also see being reversed now, particularly mm. with with folks like like Keith uh, Getty and Stuart Townend and mm-hmm. and, and Sovereign Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, now some of their newer stuff and um, other other hymn writers as mm-hmm. well. But but that that gift of melody, mm-hmm. I think, uh, which is I believe more enduring, had mm-hmm. had been especially for a season almost entirely replaced. Mm. With something that was more of an emphasis on rhythm, and I have no problem with that. I have mm-hmm. no verse, that, but but I, there's mm-hmm. a but there there's a reason, and I think the reason ties in. Here's the other trend, is that there has been a um, a lessening of, and this is a musical term, but um, uh, counterpoint would would refer mm-hmm. to the the construction and how how the notes fit together and how they're how they're written and how the harmonies interact with one another. 
uh, it is a it is a deep and a powerful thing. It, it is it's got mm-hmm. layers of understanding and meaning hmm. that I think um, that I think can create powerful uh, experiences. But that has been supplanted by an emphasis on texture and sound. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this twofold thing: melody replaced by rhythm, and and construction or counterpoint replaced by texture and sound. Hmm. So even the rise of of the synthesizer, which mm-hmm. I have no inherent problem with, or or it's so much now about about pedal boards for your guitar and, and effects and the the character of the sound, and I think these both have their root in the same thing. I think it is, I think it is um, an elevation of that which is visceral, and deeply mm-hmm. felt, which I don't believe is wrong, but I believe it lacks some of that enduring quality, both mm-hmm. both kind of culturally, generationally, and also then in the life of the believer. So. You know, I was listening to a song uh, that I that I love while I was a, a brand new song while I was coming here uh, when I was coming here to meet you, and and it 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 employed a lot of these things. And I, as I was listening to it, I felt very deeply, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My emotions soared, and God has given mm-hmm. us emotions. But when the song was over, I thought to myself, "But now what?" It wasn't that I, in retrospect, shouldn't have felt so deeply, but I thought to myself, well, what is the impact in the life of the believer? Hmm. The only degree to which that music has been transformative in me is if I have appropriated the truth that I've heard and I've submitted to it by faith. And, you know, can you have both? Of of course, but but I feel like like the emphasis of the past couple decades has been in seasons an unhealthy one Mm that has not resulted in the kind of of growth in maturity of the body that we would have mm. wanted and, and you know perhaps that's uh perhaps that's reversing. Hmm. That's interesting. Um I want you to talk a little bit about um kind of the centrality and the importance of the human voice in mm. congregational uh singing. And maybe you can contrast that a little bit. And, and this may this may be an extension of this conversation on just the trends that we're seeing. But one of the trends that that I see uh, is kind of this entertainer model, uh, this entertainment consumer oriented. And I think that goes to your point about the um, uh, spectators um, versus participants. But maybe talk a little bit about the importance of congregational singing, the human voice. And then compare that to kind of the consumer entertainment-driven model that we see in so many churches today. Sure. Well, you know, I know that you, I know that you're a student of church history, and and you know, you're 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 probably aware that for maybe the first thousand years of the church, there there really were no instruments. Mm-hmm. It was almost all voice. The church fathers were were unified in their objection to the use of instruments. Now. Mm-hmm. You know that required them to really allegorize, you know, Psalm sure. one hundred and fifty, and 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 we would look at that and say, okay, that that's you know, we don't we don't throw out mm-hmm. sure. uh, the Psalms or try to make them. But but I, I find it interesting that <clears throat> that the voice and even the use of that word solo, what is how is that to be used? And and um, so the emphasis in the church and uh, the scriptures themselves has always been singing, mm-hmm. the use of the voice. Uh, you, it's an argument from silence, I guess, to say the no instruments because they're they're not mentioned in the New Testament. But but there's no reason to think that they're precluded. However, sure. singing has always been 
uh, what we are commanded to do, and singing as an, as an extension of saying. And they sang a new song, saying. Mm-hmm. And so the, the public proclamation of the voice, which everyone has, and there is no such thing as tone deafness. It doesn't exist, <laughs> just for the record. Um, there, there is no such thing. Everyone has the ability to sing. Sometimes mm-hmm. they need help, but everyone can do it. <laughs> and so the universality, the accessibility of the instrument, and the fact that God has placed it at the center. You know, it, it doesn't say that God plays an instrument loudly. It says that he sings. Mm-hmm. So while never wanting to diminish the, the joy of a multiplicity of instrumental timbres and colors... Uh, the human voice, I think, is at least by implication, the scripture elevates it in, mm-hmm. the, in the assembly. And so this even has implications for, um, well, one, the, the, the theological aspect. I mean, think of the Reformation. The priesthood sure. of the believer compels every believer to be a singer. Uh, you are not to sit there and listen to the scriptures read in a different language mm-hmm. than your own. You're not to sit there and, and observe someone else worshiping on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you are you are to do it, and and uh, perhaps the some of those vestiges of Catholicism have now mm-hmm. been been replaced in the modern church, by which the the priests, the one who takes the one who the ones who take us into God's presence, are now the worship band mm-hmm. uh, and the the worship team. That's interesting. And so and so, there's a sense in which almost in in Reformation spirit, mm-hmm. the church needs to reclaim that. So I tell my guys mixing. There may be times where those instruments are drowned out, mm-hmm. and and even from a mixer's perspective, even if philosophically he's on board, he he's a little frustrated because he thinks, oh, we're, we're you know, it's just like a, a tsunami of, of sound of human sure. voice, and then we say, so be it, yeah. because that's and that has stylistic implications, because the second that you say, I want everyone in the church to be able to sing together confidently, people mm-hmm. of all ages and backgrounds, it has now somewhat limited you stylistically. Mm to those styles that lend themselves to sure. confident singing. Mm-hmm. So it, it has a lot of implications. Sure. And it's just hearing you say that, I'm hearing that we, we have a tendency to want to outsource our worship, and not just in singing, but in other categories uh, as as well. So we need to be participating. Um, we need to not be outsourcing it. And in light of that, uh, that means that a lot of us, um, we are not... Um, top performing musicians, and we stumble, and we make mistakes, and uh, we don't sing as well as the next person. Um, talk about that for a little bit, and maybe maybe to give just in in the illustration or example. You know, I um, one of the things that I see in First Timothy four fifteen is the fact that Paul reminds Timothy that they need to see his progress in his preaching, in his teaching. He needs to grow in that. Uh, there was a blog post by uh, Tim Challies I read recently called The Hidden Beauty of a Bad Sermon. And the, the, the point of that blog post was in the preaching context, but it was the fact that um, there, you're wanting to see the growth of men who are just learning to preach, and you're not hiding them from the congregation. You're exposing them, and they're tripping, and they're falling, and all of those kind of things. And in fact, I still feel like I trip and fall every time I preach. Um, but I was thinking on that reality and thought this has to apply to the area of music as well, especially if the whole congregation is singing. It's not going to be you know this fine-tuned, completely perfect, error-free um, uh, you know performance. 
Can you talk a little bit on on that? Am I thinking in the right direction as far as that goes? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I, although I am, I mean, musically trained, ostensibly, I I should be a skilled musician, I guess. I've given the congregation ample opportunity Mm -hmm. on occasion to, uh, you know, to observe this in action. I mean, I think three weeks ago, uh, this is just an anecdote. You know, we're playing a, a brass arrangement of Before the Throne of God Above, and they're playing an E-flat. And uh, we used to do it in E, so I start playing the piano intro in E, and then the brass enter in the fifth measure in E-flat. And and uh, <clears throat> you don't have to know a lot about music to know that was a real train wreck. <laughs> it was so bad that I literally stopped the song. I mean, there's times where you don't power through. You just say full stop. And I said to everybody, I didn't, I didn't make a thing about it. I didn't drag sure. it on, but I just, I, I wanted, I wanted to release that. I wanted to relieve that, that oh, kind of oh no feeling that sure. people might be sensing, and just say, sorry, folks, we're just going to start that again. And, and I, and I think I made a comment like, isn't it good to know the Lord, the Lord is pleased with our worship, mm-hmm. not because it's good enough yeah, for amen. a perfect God, but mm-hmm. because it is offered to Him with sincere hearts. Sure. This is our best. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's 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 a ditch on either side. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can you can um, you can be unfaithful to the gifts the Lord has given you by by failing to labor. Mm-hmm. Um, music sure. ministry often, uh, just like the iceberg, you only see the top. You know, and underneath is all the under under the waters, all that mm-hmm. stuff you don't see. Sure, it's the same way. There's hours of preparation, and and it's it's our joy as musicians to pour that out to the Lord, and even perhaps. You know, I say often to our musicians, "What if you, what if we labor for months and then the the concert or whatever is canceled?" Mm-hmm. Well, just as God has made millions of flowers in distant lands that no one sure. has ever seen, yeah. they they require no human validation. He is glorified. So, so on the one ditch, you you, you could fail to labor mm-hmm. and you could offer sacrifices to the Lord that cost you nothing, as David said. <clears throat> on the other hand, and this is what you're referring to, is this this idea that 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 music is is uh, is only you know the opportunity to minister musically is only reserved for those you know very top individuals mm-hmm. and I've I've seen both sure. sides of that I think um, I think uh, I like I like what what uh, John Piper describes as in the context of music specifically as undistracting excellence mm. so yeah. he encourages people and you know there there have been times where I've said to people you're not yet ready. Yeah. Um, I've never told anyone they can't sing in the choir. Mm-hmm. I have sometimes told them not yet. Mm-hmm. So someone comes to me brand new, never really used their voice before, sure. not singing on pitch. Well, I know as an educator, they can absolutely sing on pitch. I might say to them, hey, we're going to meet for four weeks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, twice a week, 10 minutes at a time, and some very simple exercises. Are mm-hmm. you willing to work at that? If so, I believe that by that point, it's very likely that you'll be ready to join the sure. choir. So... So in that, hopefully what we want to convey, of course, we all think that we are balanced and everybody else is imbalanced, but what we want to convey is, on one hand, this this does require your great effort and labor, but on the other hand, uh, it is something that we want everybody, and well, maybe not everybody, but we, we want everyone certainly to sing, and, and we want many people to feel as though they can use their gifts in a way that edifies the body. And that speaks to the importance of the heart of the worshiper and the motivation of the heart, um, because, I mean, I, I know this is a struggle that I 
um, all of us go through this. I go through this as well, but we're in the song service and all of a sudden we're thinking about what we got to do Monday morning. Um, and so you can have someone who's focused on Monday morning and yet their singing voice is excellent. And then you go to someone who's not, doesn't have the greatest singing voice and yet their heart motivation is, is in the right place. So, um, I mean, how, how do you cultivate a heart that, and maybe this is a question for you, um, being so immersed in music all the time. I mean, it could be easy to go through the motions in, in your shoes, but how do we cultivate the heart so that music is an overflow of what God's doing in my life? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're right. And that, you know, is it going to be gold, silver, and precious stones, as Paul said in 1 yep. Corinthians 3, or is it wood, hay, and straw? Sure. That can rest on a knife's edge, and two people sitting beside each other yeah. may be looking exactly the same as they play yeah. in the orchestra, and one could be one and one could be the other. Sure. <clears throat> so sure. it is, it is um, it's very challenging. I think, um, you know, I often go back to, um, well, I'd say that the short answer is, constantly reminding ourselves. We, mm-hmm. we suffer from what one of my pastor mentors calls spiritual amnesia. Yeah. Uh, we, we're prone to it. <clears throat> so a constant, um, a constant emphasis in our rehearsal time um, on, I guess, kind of, kind of two things. So, you know, in Romans 1, all of this, all of this debauchery to which mankind descends begins right around at this point, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, mm-hmm nor were they thankful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've kind of taken the reverse of that, seeing that as a helpful antidote to, which isn't exactly what you asked, but I guess to that, the tendency towards pride, mm-hmm. towards self-exaltation in music, to say, because what do you do when someone praises the music that you've done? Uh, do you say, no, 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 don't say anything. <laughs> well, of course not. Um, you know, and so, so I'm always encouraging our musicians give glory to God, mm-hmm. and, and that puts us in a rightful place, mm-hmm. and be thankful. Mm-hmm. What should you fill your hearts with? Overwhelming thankfulness. Sure. Uh, and that, yeah, it is a constant battle, and I, you know, I can't wait until heaven where we'll be able to sing with perfect mm-hmm. motives, you yeah. know. Amen. Uh, that, <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah. That speaks to, um, first of all, the importance of having... The, the right worship attitude, but it also speaks to the importance of having good, deep, sound theology, as, uh, as, as we talked about. As you're selecting songs to sing as a church, as you are selecting songs, uh, even, even in the hymnal that you compiled, you know, what, what role does theology play in that? I, I'm, I kind of think of, you know, so much of the music today available is this kind of God is my boyfriend type music, you know, this just mm-hmm. shallow, um, it's more autobiographical than anything. It tells more about me than, than about yeah. God. But, um, how, what role does theology play in the way that you choose the music that you play? Yeah, that, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's a great question. And it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's one there's, <laughs> Uh, the only reason I'm pausing is because I'm thinking, how can I be succinct and helpful? Sure. You know, because I, I could talk for for an hour. <laughs> so l- let me let me try to let me try to just start. I'll start at the biggest level and I'll work my way down. So at at the biggest level, I have what I call the five year test. If someone went to our church for five years, mm-hmm. and in some weird you know unrealistic scenario, all they heard was the music, mm-hmm. would they get an accurate and full picture of God and the gospel? Mm-hmm. 
would they have the tools they need? Have I given them a language of a familiar language of praise? Have I given them songs to sing when their heart is overwhelmed? Hmm. Have I given them songs of confession? Uh, have I have I given them didactic teaching songs that they can teach to their children? Because you know things learned in song are remembered mm-hmm. long. That's one of the other values of yes. music in the church that I didn't mention. It's 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 that you can commit things to memory and scripture obviously. Uh, all the promises given to scripture are not given to songs, of course, but but there is still a value in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaac Watts and his um, his 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 uh, compilation called Divine and Moral Songs for Children, which contained the song "I Sing the Mighty Power of God," mm-hmm. which was a, a children's song mm-hmm. uh, meant to teach about creation. He says something to the effect of uh, just the urgency of teaching children songs. He said one of those reasons is so that they may not sing, you know, the the so that they may sing the songs of Zion rather than the pagan songs of mm. this world. And and so when I'm thinking about choosing music, I'm thinking to myself this is a very uh weighty uh thought because I'm thinking well one, we are ostensibly creating a perception of what is normative for the next generation. Sure. They will grow up just as yeah. I grew up singing How Great Thou Art, which mm-hmm. we still sing and love, mm-hmm. and, and Great Is Thy Faithfulness and many others, and The Old Rugged Cross, which mm-hmm. we don't sing anymore, but I, st- I still love. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way, they what will they grow up singing? Sure. And, and what if, you know, God forbid, they have to march to their death someday, you know, as those believers did in the, in the 1500s, will they sing, uh, you know, Ein Festeburg ist unser Gott, a mighty <laughs> fortress? Well, maybe not. Maybe they'll sing in Christ alone. Sure. No, no guilt in life, no fear in death. So that, that's the big level. I'm thinking the five-year plan. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that maybe forms up, and then you think, how many songs can you sing? So you've got, maybe you've got, like for us, we've got four in the morning service and then four in the evening service. That's eight songs a week. That's, uh, fifth, say, 50 weeks. That's 400 times that we sing, mm-hmm. give or take. So if you are going to sing a song three times a year, that's... What, that's 130 songs. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, now the urgency with which you think through, which is not only a good song, but the best choice for your people, and also the slowness with which you just jump on board with a new song, although it may be great, uh, you realize that you're limited, and mm-hmm. you have to be very very thoughtful about what sure. you give the people. So that, that's kind of the big level. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then come on the next level, uh, you know, theologically, I want to have a balance of, I guess this isn't theological per se, but I want to have a balance of old and new. Right. You know, every every scribe brings out of the storehouses mm-hmm. old treasure and new. And I want to give to our people, you know, kind of timeless songs that if they were to other faithful churches, yeah. they'd almost certainly hear them. Sure. And and then newer songs that perhaps are gonna be generationally bound, and that's that's fine. Um but but the the big and then and then kind of where the way I plan the service is um, and, and there's many ways that you can do this, but the way that I typically do is, um, is I, I always, in every, at least the morning service, evening service is a little bit different, it's a little less structured, but in the morning service at least, uh, I'll go through a fourfold aspect to the music service. So, uh, adoration, confession, mm-hmm. assurance of grace, and response. Sometimes I will explicitly tell the people sure. that, that we're singing this or that. Sometimes we'll just do it, but, but my hope is is that then these songs have touched on sure. the essence of, of, of God revealing himself in the gospel. Yeah. And, and so theologically, I think hopefully the long-term impact 
is that people are rehearsing not only the individual songs themselves, mm-hmm. but thinking about how, you know, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that we've just mm-hmm. sung about <laughs> for, sure. the, for the previous three songs, that you do this. So in that sense, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's as if I don't have to pull back the curtain a lot, but there's a lot going on sure. behind the scenes. And I want people to perceive an intentionality, mm-hmm. but I don't always necessarily, you know, tell them all the sure. same way with preaching. I'm sure, sure. you, you sure. don't, you're not always pulling out the Greek and right. parsing the, you right. know, the things, but, but you've done the work. Right. That's the same way right. here. Do you do, uh, just out of curiosity, I think we probably don't do enough for these, but do you do much lament songs uh, at all? You know, songs of lament? Yeah, that, that's something that over the past, over the past couple of years, I had really started to think about. And some, you know, there's there's some recent books that have helpfully brought mm-hmm. these things out, which I think is, is excellent. Um, so yeah, we, we sing we sing those. Up until a couple of years ago, I was uh, unhelpfully... You know, I actually got into a Facebook discussion, which is always profitable. <laughs> um, but this one actually was. And the guy made a point of saying, you're conflating con- songs of confession with songs of lament. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, he's right. Mm-hmm. They're related. Mm-hmm. But but the sorrow over sin sure. is is different than the sorrow over, you know, God, the world is broken. Mm-hmm. Will you restore it? Mm-hmm. Come quickly. Um, so, in, so in that vein, um, we have we have some explicit songs of lament, but... What I often find is that is that, as with many good songs, they touch on many areas. It's hard to classify them. So, mm-hmm. creation sure. sings the Father's song. Says creation longs for His return sure. when Christ shall reign. So what I what I find I typically have to do well I should say maybe often, rather than saying what song is neatly going to fit into this category, I, I often will draw people's thinking to one phrase, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll just very hopefully briefly I will. I'll, I'll, because the people need to sing and the people need to think. Mm-hmm. So I'll hopefully succinctly get their mind thinking of, mm-hmm. listen to this, creation longs for his return. Yeah. And then maybe Romans 8, you know, mm. oh, we're groaning, we're waiting. So we can sing this with hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's the way that I've typically introduced songs of, or that okay. lament concept. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, certainly, I, I, well, I think it was Robert Murray McShane that said for every... Uh, one look to self, take 10 looks to Christ. And so we certainly want to go somewhere with the lament, not just stopping there, but looking to the, the joy of the cross and the hope that's available well, there. But you know, I, I think some recent authors have rightly identified an imbalance. Hmm. We, we, sing, we sing songs of victory, hmm. but as I don't remember who said it, but you know, no one would have hired David. He was too much of a downer. <laughs> you know, he couldn't have been a worship leader. Sure. But but uh, but I was discouraged the other day, profoundly mm-hmm. discouraged, and and what gave me comfort was 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 incidentally the song the psalm that you and I had recently had recently talked about, mm-hmm. Psalm thirty one, and uh, and I just found myself saying, Lord, into your hands I commit sure. my spirit. Amen. You you know you are my rock, um, and and uh, and so yeah, I your question was was no doubt born of that awareness. Mm-hmm. We don't, as a church, acknowledge our brokenness. And I don't just yeah. mean, let's get together and be real mm-hmm. and talk about how bad life is. Mm-hmm. That's hopeless. But but to say, in this body we groan. It, it had homed yeah. me when one of our <clears throat> one of our band members, uh, our, our bass guitarist, who was my age, um, I think it's three, three, or three years, three and a half years now ago, he, he died from, from mm. cancer. And uh, that was very good for us as young men, largely mm. young men in the music ministry. Mm-hmm. And I that helped me 
to look over the congregation with a fresh urgency. Well, mm-hmm. also, that's why a, a, sure. a worship leader, which I don't like that term, but a, a lead musician, mm-hmm. should be a pastor. Mm. Because if not, he's just going to doodle on his little his little guitar or piano sure. or whatever. But if he is a pastor, then he's going to be dialing into his people. And he's yeah. going to look out of the congregation, and he's going to see real hurts. Mm-hmm. He's going to see struggles, crises of faith. He's going to see tears for lost children. Mm-hmm. And then what is he going to do? He's going to say, I need to point these people towards sure. Christ. And then now I think the urgency with which he selects rich texts are going to, it's going to ramp it up mm-hmm. because he's saying, we have a limited time. Everybody out here is terminal, including me. So let's get after it. I don't have time to sing shallow stuff. Mm-hmm. How does that apply in the area of throughout the week? We're talking about the church context, but I mean, you're discouraged throughout the week. You're down, downcast, whatever it might be. Um, how does, how, how do the good songs help or even carry you through the week in a lot of ways? Yeah, absolutely. That that really goes back to that thing I mentioned before, that the intentionality with which we choose a body of songs and repeat them sure. is going to be so connected to how we're equipping our people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you think of memorization as a muscle that, that can be strengthened or weakened by use or neglect, um, you know, the Moravians, <clears throat> which I did my, my dissertation on, on, uh, on the Moravians, mm-hmm. and... Uh, they had they had a ma- it was just astonishing a catalog of several thousand hymns mm. many of them multiple stanzas uh, and they didn't use hymnals hymnals mm. were for visitors <laughs> that that was a, now that was a profoundly singing congregation sure. rather cloistered you know um, but they sang constantly they sang they sang during the night watches they mm-hmm. sang throughout the day they sang as mm-hmm. they worked and the effect was uh, I mean. Uh, I think when you so when you say you know even even the difficulty although we must memorize scripture first and foremost to sure. keep our way pure but when you think about the challenge of memorizing prose there's um, it is made so much easier when there is a regular kind of cadence mm-hmm. and, and meter to it and then when you when you place on top of that the 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 evocative emotional aspect of of melody mm-hmm. the gift of melody which I mentioned earlier. Now you've got the formula for, so here's an example. So um, I wasn't really ready to sing, but I wrote a, I wrote a kid's song. You know, when you think about 1 Corinthians 13, you're going to memorize that list of what is, what love is. Well, Mm -hmm. how about this? Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant, is not rude, and never seeks its own. Love's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And it kind of goes on. Sure. Well, I wrote that song for the kids to sing. And that comes to me when I'm thinking. The other yeah. day someone asked me, well, how do I love this individual? Because mm. they're so frustrating. I say, well, love is. <laughs> and I, I literally recalled the song. I said, love is patient and kind. Yeah. Love does not envy and does not boast. Yeah. It's not arrogant. And I just started going through that. Yeah. Well, that... that cause rejoicing in my heart because I know if I can, rather than let's get out Father Abraham, let's get rid of deep and wide, Mm -hmm. it's not going to hurt him, but it's not helpful. Instead, let's put in, uh, let's put in songs that are full of scripture, maybe explicitly scripture Mm -hmm. or at least scripture rich with phrases that maybe they didn't even know the scripture, but as they're reading down the road, they're like, oh, wow, there's a scriptural phrase in every turn here. Um, that's, That's the impact in the life of the congregation. And when the music... When the music stops and the emotion, which is a good thing, fades, 
what are they going to have? Hopefully, a body of truth set in a memorable mm-hmm. way that will yeah. that will strengthen their faith. And I hope that, as we talked earlier about kind of this resurgence of good, solid music, I hope that that trickles down into the family level, into the individual level, so that those kinds of things are happening all throughout the week. We're constantly being bombarded with, with music, and we're singing, and we're remembering scripture through it, remembering biblical concepts through yep. it. Um, I, I really hope that trend continues in, uh, in, in a positive direction. Uh, talk a little bit about anything particular you want to mention about people where they can go to find out more. You have some resources, uh, blog, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I have a a website called grace music, uh, gracemusic.us. It is intended to be just the overflow of our music ministry. And Mm -hmm. I, I really very carefully structure it that way. So I, I don't, I don't write music for the internet. Although sure. I do love to serve other churches, but I write music for our church, and then I say, you know, there's plenty of other skilled guys out there, but but I I know some of these guys, and they're mm-hmm. also pastor of youth and facilities, and and sometimes they don't, they just don't have the time. Sure. So one of the, my heartbeat for Grace Music has been to provide resources to equip churches with you know lead sheets, orchestrations, piano scores, uh, some simplified student parts mm-hmm. sometimes, maybe with a Violin parts that are easy to play that don't require special shifting techniques sure. and things. Or uh, there's tutorials. There's a music theory course. Mm-hmm. So that that's really been. Um, and when I started, I just kind of stuck a half dozen songs on there, and and that's really grown. And that's been that's been thrilling to see because I see it serving the body of Christ. And and incidentally, although you didn't ask this specifically, but you know, I really think. Um, I, I love what, what guys like Keith Getty are doing. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of faithful guys, mm-hmm. but I think they would even acknowledge that the future of church music is probably not um, the Christian music industry. Mm-hmm. I think the future yeah. of church, as, as believers get marginalized, as mm-hmm. they get pushed out, that'll happen. It's never hurt the church. Mm-hmm. It's probably only helped it, mm-hmm. but it will have a profound effect. And, and I think the future of church music is going to be local churches as it should be. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It should always be. It should always be the overflow of the local yes. church. So I think the future is going to be local church guys doing resources as they have time, mm-hmm. sharing those resources now online. I mean, it's so easy. Yep. Um, yep. So, so that's sort of one thing. And then <clears throat> we also, I also kind of started a side um, a side ministry doing custom hymnals for mm-hmm. churches. So. Um, you know, our, our church uses uh, projection. Um, it had always used projection, at least long before I was there. Mm-hmm. And and we we don't we haven't stopped that. There's many benefits. The heads are up. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy for our older folks to see. It's very clear. Uh, there's no ambiguity. Even you're not even distracted. You could say music can be a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. Uh, you can you can sing a new song at the at the click of a button. But but I what I think projection lacks is is kind of a, a permanence. Mm-hmm. It lacks this. I mean, when the when the when the service is over and the projector is turned off or even flashes to the next slide, sure. it's it's gone. So <clears throat> so a couple of years ago, well, I've had this on my heart for years since Fred Coleman, my uh, my church music professor, uh, had told us the best hymnal a church could have would be the one it made for itself. And mm. so I thought, I'll file that away. <laughs> And then uh, a couple of years ago, we yeah. published our own hymnal at our church, and so I've started doing that now for other churches. So that's um, that 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 website is called uh, Hymnworks. Uh, 
H-Y-M-N-Works.com. Okay. And uh, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a business in one sense, and mm-hmm. that, that, yeah, I mean, it costs time and money, but, but at the same token, what I'm hoping is that, is that as, as I typeset more of these hymns, I make the current ones available then for free. Mm-hmm. So a church can say, okay, we want 150 hymns in this hymnal. Uh, you've already done 140. Mm. So I'll say, okay, great. Then you, then I only need to typeset 10 mm. for you. And I'm hoping sure. that just continues to yeah. multiply so that so that a church... And, you know, churches don't maybe don't realize you can actually print a hymnal fairly cheaply, mm. pretty good quality. So my, my heartbeat... I'm not trying to see projection go away. It's fine. It's technology. Mm-hmm. Let's use it. But but what we're happening now, I mean, we had a, we had a couple in our church. They had a they had a little one who was born with a with a with a disease and was going to die, uh, and was in the hospital and did end up passing away. and hmm. And people from our church are going down there to sing with them, to hmm. minister to them. Well, what have they taken? Sure, hymnals. Sure. <laughs> um, so I've I've just seen going back to you talking about the impact throughout the week. I'm seeing that this makes its way into homes, yeah. family devotions, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm you know I'm excited to kind of see. You know, our hymnals. I don't think hymnals are going to go away. Mm-hmm. I think I think instead they could become the purview of the local church, um, and then each local church could compile for themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, here are the songs that we love and are precious to us. Yeah. So, Amen. Good, Dan. This has been fun. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate having you today. Absolutely, it's my my privilege. Yeah, well, we'll have to do it again next time you're in town. Super. Yeah, All right, let's do it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at Crossview Orville.